So have you uh, ever been in your car, um, headed somewhere, uh, somewhere you've never been before, somewhere unfamiliar, but you started off knowing exactly where you wanted to end up, and then somewhere along the journey, uh, somewhere along the trip, all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, uh, I'm lost, we're lost. And, and you realize in a moment that you're not where you thought you were. You're, you're not heading in the direction that you thought you were headed. And in that moment, uh, we ask a question. I, I think we've all been there in some way or another. And in that moment, we take, we pause and we ask this question. How did I get here? Now, it's a question that we really know the answer to, but it's just one of those things that we say in the moment. Uh, we've been driving, uh, and, and maybe this happened a lot more before the days of on-demand GPS on our phones and in our cars, but, but we ask the question, how did I get here as though we hadn't been along in the car for the entire ride? Uh, we ask the question as if we hadn't been driving the entire time. But it's still a good question to think about. How did I get here? Because it's instructive and, and it reminds us of something that's absolutely true, that wherever we ended up, which was the place that we didn't want to end up, we got there one mile at a time, uh, we got there one minute at a time, and we got there one turn at a time. And we've all experienced that. Uh, maybe for you, it, it was hunting or hiking and you went out and you were really excited and maybe it was a place unfamiliar, but you thought you had a grasp on where you were. Uh, you knew where you wanted to end up. And, and so you're, you're headed out and you're headed towards the place that you think uh, that you need to be and want to be and have planned to end up. But all of a sudden, uh, you've got turned around. Somehow you've gotten confused and all of a sudden you realize that you're, you're lost uh, and you're not where you thought you were and you weren't headed in the direction that you thought you were heading. And there in that situation, we asked the same question, how did I get here? How did I get here? As if we hadn't walked there ourselves. Now, again, it's an important question to think about because it wasn't as if we got lost suddenly. It's just that all of a sudden we realized we were lost. We realized in a moment, at some point, there was a tipping point and we realized that we weren't where we thought we were. We were not headed in the direction that we thought we were heading in. And all of a sudden it dawned on us that we were in the place that we didn't wanna be and we didn't plan on being, that we didn't intend on being. And again, the question, as elementary as it is, it helps, it helps remind us how we got there. We got there one term, turn at a time, and we got there one step at a time, and we got there one minute at a time, and we ended up in the place that we didn't want to be. And, and then what happened when we were hunting and hiking and what happened once upon a time when we were you know, on a car trip somewhere, those are things that happen in life as well because there's lots of moments in life. Probably you've had them, I've had them. And in life, we're living life and all of a sudden we realize that things are not what we thought they were. And, and we ask ourselves the question once again when it comes to our life, how did I get here? Uh, we were busy with life. We were, we were waking up in the morning. We were living our life in the day, doing our thing. And then we were going to sleep at night. And then the whole thing just got put on repeat the next day and the next day after that and the next day after that. And then all of a sudden something happened, something changed, something shifted. And, and it seemed like the landscape of everything had changed. And, and you look up and nothing is the way that you wanted it to be. Nothing is as the way that you had planned for it to be. And all that you're left with is the question, how did I get here? And just like in a car and just like hunting and just like hiking, the answer is really painful to think about. We got there one step, 
one decision, one habit, one day, one month, one year at a time. We got to the place that we are in this moment, in this season, one step, one decision, one habit, one day, one month, one year at a time. We didn't get to where we are today overnight. Uh, that's the way that life works. Uh, we don't lose our health overnight. Uh, more times than not, almost never do we lose our health with one decision. Uh, we don't end up in financial ruin overnight. How do we get there? One decision, one step, one thing after another. It takes time. Things don't typically fall apart overnight. Uh, matter of fact, you know this and I know this. It takes time to where we end up in life. It takes time to get to where we end up in life. Uh, in other words, uh, I want us to think about this, that we get to where we're going, wherever we're going, one step at a time in the same direction. It, it happens one choice at a time, one step at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one trip around the sun at a time. And, and that's why we're doing this series. Now, it's been three weeks since we started this series. And since the first week of this series, we have been traveling nonstop through space. You, some of you who were here the first week, you know this. We have been traveling nonstop through st space since the first week of this series at 67,000 miles per hour. And that means since the first week of this series, we have all managed to travel together 24 million miles of the 584 million mile journey that we're all going to take, God willing, this year around the sun. And the reason that we're doing this series is that my hope for me and my hope for you and my hope for us is that this trip around the sun will be better than the last trip around the sun. And maybe this trip around the sun will be the best one yet. Now, each week of this series, we've been looking at passages in the New Testament. Uh, and they're more than pieces of advice, though they are good advice. They're actually principles uh, that offer us a promise. Principles that promise a particular outcome if we organize our lives around them. Uh, back in week one, we looked at the words of Paul, and, and Paul offered this advice. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, in other words, live your life well, live it skillfully, be good at life, be good at important decisions, be good at managing your relationships, be good at life, be wise, not unwise, so that you can make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Or uh, to say it another way, the days are passing away. There's only so many days that we get. There's only so many trips around the sun that we get. So make it count. And, and then he ends it with saying, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, what you know you need to do, do it today. What you know you should do, do it today, because today is our opportunity for better. Right now, today is your opportunity for better, my opportunity for better. We have to make the most of it. Then last week we talked about how better doesn't begin where we think it begins. Better begins with who you want to be, not what you need to do. Uh, we all love to think about to-do lists. We all th love to think about goals and you know, resolutions. And we all love to make you know, boxes that we check off, which makes us feel accomplished and makes us feel like we've gotten something done. It's always easier to think about what we need to do than it is to think about who we want to be. So we thought about our funeral. And we thought about what we would want those who know us best and love us most to say about us on that last day. And we said that whatever we want the people that love us most and know us best, what we want them to be able to say about us, not lie and say about us, but to be able to truthfully say about us, that is our definition for per personal success. 
And as Christians, when we take that personal definition of success and put it in alignment with God's definition for what success looks like in my life and your life, then that becomes the aim of our life. That becomes the destination. That becomes the place where we want to end up. And the reason that's important to think about who I want to be on that day, the day of my funeral, who I want to be when I take my last breath and when my heart beats for the last time. Why that's important is this right here. Who we want to be provides us insight. It provides us insight. It provides us wisdom for what we need to do today. So whoever I want to be on that day, it offers me wisdom and insight to what I need to be doing on this day. And so last week, we looked at another great piece of advice, some principles with a promise out of the book of Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews, he, he gave us a very similar uh, piece of advice that the apostle Paul gave us. He, he said this, he said, we must pay the most careful attention. Again, be careful, pay attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. So after you've thought about who you wanna be on that last day, who, who you wanna be on your last day on this earth, the person that you wanna be, when you know who that is and what that looks like, you anchor yourself to that vision. When you are fully aware of who you know God wants you to be and who God said you could be and who God said that you should be, then you anchor yourself to that. You keep your focus, you keep your vision attached to that because otherwise, I will drift away. Otherwise, you will drift away and you will actually move further away from the place that you actually want to go. You'll look up one day and you'll say, how did I get here? This is not where I wanted to be. This is not where I wanted to end up. How did I get here? And so the writer of Hebrews, he gives us some advice. He says, be careful so that you don't drift in the direction that you don't really wanna go. He goes on later on in the book and he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, let us throw off everything that hinders. Uh, in some translations, it's the weight that besets us, that hinders us and the sin that so does easily entangle us. And, and then he goes on to say, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So we start with who? Who do I wanna be on my last day? And that's the finish line. Who does God want me to be? What does that person look like? That's the finish line. And he says, so run your race in that direction. Lay aside, throw off any weight, any hindrance that inhibits, encumbers, distracts, competes against who you ultimately wanna be and more importantly, who God wants you to be. And then to take it a step further, he says, and get rid of the sin. Whatever sin has entangled you, whatever sin has become an obstacle in between where you are and where you are, ultimately want to end up, who you ultimately want to be, what has gotten you stuck, what's holding you back. He says, get rid of that sin that's got you stuck in patterns and cycles and ruts that prevent you, that prevent me from being who I want to be and who God wants me to be. Because the more clear, the more clear we are on who we want to be, the more clear we will be about what we need to do today. It helps us answer questions that we typically ask this time of year. Questions like, okay, what do I need to do more of today? 
What do I need to do more of today? And there's probably lots of things that I need to do more of today. What do I need to do less of today? And, and again, that list could be large as well. What do I need to stop doing today? Because it's actually preventing me from being who I want to be and who God wants me to be. So what do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to start doing today in order to start moving in that direction, that finish line? The place that I have anchored, what I believe, you know, that's what the person that God wants me to be. That's what they look like. That's how they live their life. That's the choices that they make. That's the character that they have. So I need to run my race in that direction and discard anything that prevents me from moving in that direction. Now, when we start asking these questions, hey, what do I need to do more of today? What do I need to do less of today? What do I need to stop doing today? What do I need to start doing today? And when we start asking those questions and we start discovering what the answers to those questions are because we know where we want to end up, here's something important to note. And this is a bit of an encouraging word for all of us. Those changes, those changes that we know we need to implement and we actually begin to implement, those changes don't result in change in a moment. Uh, change doesn't work that way. Change isn't an event. A lot of church people, a lot of Christians, they love to think about change being an event. You know, that was the altar call. Come down, there's an event down front, and at the event down front, you're gonna just be changed. If you'll come down for prayer, if you'll come down and be counseled with, if you'll just come down, you know, change is an event. You need to come to the service. You need, you need to go to this retreat. You know, people think change is an event. It's not an event. Uh, change isn't a moment. It, it's not a defining moment where, where things just change. It, it doesn't begin with an announcement of saying, hey, you know what? I, I realize there's some things I need to do more of, less of, some things I need to start doing and stop doing. And just because you make the announcement that, hey, this is what I'm going to start doing, it doesn't mean that anything has actually changed. Change is a process and change takes time. Uh, in other words, what I want us to think about is this right here, that change takes place over time when we make one step at a time in the same direction. Uh, change is actually, think of it this way, change is a series of steps. It's a series of turns. It, it, it's small adjustments uh, more times than not. It's not the big adjustments, it's the small adjustments that ultimately make a big difference. It's the small changes that have very large consequences. It's those decisions that seemingly, when we begin to make those decisions, they make no difference at all in the moment. But over time, further out we go, those small changes make a huge difference. So, you know, take health, you know, as an example. You, you stop eating, you know, dessert today, and, and there's not gonna be any perceptible change whatsoever. You change your diet today, and, and there's not gonna be any perceptible difference that you can really see in the mirror or that really shows up on the scale, but small changes over time makes a big difference. You know, you go to the gym, you work out one time, and then you take your shirt off in front of the mirror, and it's like, you know, it's just as bad as it was before. It's not what I thought it was gonna be, because it takes time and changes take a long time. But small adjustments, small changes over time end up leading to big differences. So take, for example, a plane. Let's imagine you're on a plane and you're taking off from Los Angeles and uh, you're intending to go to New York City, but, but the pilot makes a small adjustment, a 3.5, 3.5 degree change. And instead of ending up in New York, you end up in Washington, D.C., because the further you get out, the bigger the difference is from just a small change. Now, goals are important, but goals don't change our lives. It's the actions that we take. Oftentimes, the small actions that we take 
in our lives in the direction of those, of those goals. Uh, it's a process of, of growing into who we want to be and who God wants us to be. Now, Paul has offered us some words of advice and the writer of Hebrews has offered us some advice. And today, I thought that we would close this series by letting Peter speak to us, a, a man who was a man in process for most of his life. We can see him developing and it was slow. Sometimes it was painful to watch. Sometimes he went forward, sometimes he went back, sometimes he got drifted, sometimes he had to reverse course. And so, you know, we all have a little bit of understanding about Peter's story. And so here's some advice and here's some encouragement that Peter offers to all of us as we think about real change, lasting change on this trip around the sun. He says that God's divine power has given us everything, everything that we need for a godly life. Now, this is a big deal. And he says, through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. And don't miss this. Peter says that right now in this moment, Right now in this moment, you have everything you need. I have everything that I need. We have everything that we need to be who God ultimately wants us to be. Now that's freeing because that means you're not lacking anything. You have no shortcoming that can prohibit you or prevent you or can you know, hinder you from being who God wants you to be. He's given you everything you need. He's given me everything that I need to be who he ultimately wants me to be. And that means that ultimately, the only thing that's standing between me and who I wanna be and who God wants me to be is me. It means that I have no excuse. It means that you have no excuse. It means that none of us have a valid reason why we can't become who God wants us to be because he's given us everything. Matter of fact, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, the book of Romans, we call it, and he said the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in every believer. So there is a resurrecting spirit inside of every single follower of Jesus. And the same spirit that did the impossible, the same spirit that did the miraculous, the same spirit that raised Jesus from being a corpse to a living savior, that is the same spirit that lives in you. So Peter says, you've got everything you need. In another place, Paul, speaking to some Christians, he says, God is able to do exceedingly abundant, far more than you could ever ask or think. And, and oftentimes we, we think about those verses, you know, as it relates to our prayer requests, uh, but really the context is not that at all. God is able to do exceedingly abundant, far more than we could ever ask or think. And what does Paul say? He says, according to the power at work, where? Above us, around us? No, he says, according to the power at work within us. That God is able to do exceedingly abundant, far more than what you could ever ask or think. That God can do more with your life. Your potential is far more than what you ever thought it could be. The capacity that you have is far greater than what you've ever thought it could be because of the power that is already at work within you. So there's no excuse. Uh, John said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So Peter says, you've got everything you need right now to be the person that you wanna be, to be the person that God ultimately wants you to be. And this is what that means. It means that we can't find our potential until we lose our excuses. If I've got everything that I need, then I have no excuse. So saying, well, I would, but 
I can't or I would, but you know, or you know, this is just who I am. It's, it's just who I've always been, or you know, I just can't help it, or you just don't know what I, I've had to deal with. You don't have any idea what I've had to live through. Uh, I, I've tried this before and it didn't work out, so I, I'm over that. You know, I don't want to fail again. I'm too old, I'm too young. If you knew my family, if you, if you knew how I was raised, if, if you knew anything about me, then you would understand. You know, I don't have time, I don't have the money, I don't have the education. I I don't have the relationships. I I don't have this. I don't have that. Peter says, come on now. You'll never find your potential until you lose all of those excuses because you've you've already got everything that you need in this moment to be who God wants you to be. So get busy today. And he goes on. He says, through these, through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. In other words, that your life is gonna become more and more like Christ the more you embrace your capacity, your potential because of God's power in you so that you through them may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So Peter says, God's given us all of these promises. You know, One, for example, I will, I will not leave you alone, Jesus said, but I'm gonna give you a helper. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to do what you don't have the strength to do. I'm gonna give you a helper. I'm gonna give you somebody to be there to spot the weight that you can't lift on your own. Uh, Jesus makes the promise that our faith will produce fruit. He, He promises us that our faith will not fail, that he promises that if we're willing to lose our life, we will find it. He promises that if we are willing to be last, we will be made first. He promises us that we don't have to fear, even though there's something to be afraid of. He's promised us peace and joy. And again, it's just another way of saying, you've got everything you need. You don't lack anything. There's never a moment as a follower of Jesus that you can say, well, if I had this, or if I had that, or if I had more of this, I I need more, I I need a greater, you know, whatever it is. He says, you've got everything you need right now, no matter what. No matter how much you know about the scripture, how less you know about the scripture. No matter how much you pray through the week or how little you pray through the week. Doesn't matter, you got everything you need. And Peter says, for this very reason, for this reason, make every effort. Because the only thing that's standing between me and the person that I wanna be and the person that God wants me to be is me. So I've gotta make the effort. This, this is not on my wife. This is not on my husband. This is, this is not on my kids or my parents or my friends. This is not on any of them. He says, make every effort to add to your faith. Stop playing games, stop making excuses, stop sitting around and get busy doing today what you know you need to be doing. Start today moving in the direction of where you ultimately want to be on your last day. He he says, this is on you. You gotta take the step. You gotta keep on making the step because the change that I need and the change that you need requires action. It requires one step in front of a step, in front of another step, in front of another step. And so he says, you got everything you need, so add to your faith. Add to your faith. Harness what you have and add to your faith. Add to your faith goodness. And goodness is simply a life where doing what is good and what is right is important to you. It's a life where doing what is good and what is right is important to me. And as we follow Jesus, doing what is good and doing what is right, it should be important to all of us. And so he says, just add to your faith. And when you have an opportunity to do good, do good. When you have the opportunity to do the right thing, do the right thing. 
That's on you, that's on me. I've gotta seize that moment. And today, today is my opportunity to do the good thing, to do the right thing. It's living a life that rises above moral mediocrity. It's, it's, it's moral excellence. It's the person that we can all probably think of to say, you know what, they're the real deal. That, that, that's, that's what faith looks like. That's, that's what Jesus looks like. That's, that's, what, that's what I wanna be. And it's rising above the moral mediocrity of, of our culture. He says, add to your faith goodness. Jesus said it this way, let the world see your good work. So, so why? So that they would glorify my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, add to your faith knowledge. Add to your faith knowledge. And it has the idea of taking what you know to be good and to be right and doing something with it. Most of us don't need to be taught about what is good and what is right and what is wrong. He says, so take what you already know, the knowledge that you have, and start applying it. Just don't be a, you know, as James said, a hearer of the word. Be a doer as well, because it's the application that leads to change. It's not the knowledge in and of itself that leads to change. It's taking what you know and doing something with it. It's knowing what's most important to God that it's to love him and to love our neighbors ourselves. It's knowing that you won't be perfect and other people won't be perfect. So cut other people and cut yourself some slack. It's about knowing what is right and what is wrong and, and trying to align our life day to day with those definitions that God has given us through his word. He goes on, he says, to knowledge, self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. So he says, you gotta be able to control yourself. You gotta be able to put up guardrails to stay in the lane where you wanna be. You can't be mastered by your desires. You, you gotta be mastered by the master. You gotta be able to say no to yourself. He says, add to your faith perseverance, which means that you're willing to stay the course. You're not gonna give up, you're not gonna give in. Even when you fall down, you're gonna get back up and you're gonna keep on running your race in the direction of where you ultimately wanna end up. And then he says, add godliness. And that's just a life that represents God here on the earth. It's a life that reminds people of what our heavenly father is like. So every time you love someone, you are showing them what your heavenly father looks like. Every time you forgive someone who's wronged you, you're being godly. Every time you refuse to hold something against someone that they did wrong or a shortcoming or where they fell short at in their relationship with you, when you refuse to do that, you, you're doing what your heavenly father does. Every time you exercise generosity or show mercy or give grace or serve someone or speak truth in love, and it just goes on and on and on. Every time you do that, you're being godly. You're expressing the heart and the nature and the character of your heavenly father. And he says, to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection love. It means add to your faith some relationships uh, of people who share your faith uh, that leads to a sharper faith. Be in relationships uh, with shared faith people, people who share your faith, people who share your belief, have some relationships with people based on a shared faith that leads to a sharper faith. Be in community with a group of people who follow Jesus. Uh, you know, be in relationship, have friendship, be in community with a group of people who want to end up in the same direction where you want to end up. And it makes it easier to end up there when you got a group of people who are moving in the same direction as you. He says, so add those type of relationships in your life. And when you add those type of relationships to your life, you're going to find out you're going to move quicker in the direction of where you ultimately want to go. Because we're all about the average of the five closest people in our lives. The five closest people in our lives. That's basically what we are the average of. So think about that for a moment. That's either really good news or really bad news. Uh, 
Someone said, you know, you wanna look at your future? Just look at your friends. That's what your future looks like because we are the average of the five people that are closest to us. And then he says, add love. This is the highest level. This is the most important thing. This is, you know, faith, hope, and love, Paul said, but the greatest of all, it is love. He says, so put this, add this to your faith. And he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And none of us wanna be that. He says, you'll be not ineffective and not unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it really takes the pressure off. He says, just in increasing measure. You don't have to be there overnight. It doesn't have to be a giant stride. He said, but if you take these qualities and just add them a little bit at a time, if you just move the needle a little bit at a time, um, in his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear, he says, if you get 1% better, if I get 1% better every day, 1% better every day, at the end of the year, I'll be 37 times better by the end of the year. Because 1% better, it compounds over time. It grows over time. And the consequences of getting 1% better every day is really beyond what we would ever anticipate. And if we just add these things a little bit at a time, just 1% at a time, at the end of this trip around the sun, we may not even recognize ourselves. He goes on, he says, but whoever does not have them, they're nearsighted, they're blind, they've, they've forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. They've lost their vision, they've lost their focus. They forgot where they wanted to end up, who God wanted them to be in the end. He says, so therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will not stumble. You, you won't fall down utterly and finally. You may fall down, but you'll get back up. You'll, you'll keep moving in the direction of where you wanna end up and where God wants you to end up. And you, listen to this promise, and you will receive a rich welcome, a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will hear those words that all of us wanna hear, that when we step out of this life into the next life, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because more than what we want our children to say about us, and more than what we want our spouses and our, our friends to say about us, the most important words that we wanna hear are the words, well done, from our Savior. That we had lived our life to make a difference, that, that we, we leveraged every trip around the sun that we would have moved in the direction ultimately of who we wanted to be and who God wanted us to be. And over time, we grew into that man. We grew into that woman. We added to our faith an increasing measure. And maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe one day when they stand at our funeral, our children will say the things that we wanted them to say. The people who know us best and love us most, they will be able to say what we said we wanted them to say. That we did our very best not to drift, not to get distracted. Not that we got it all right, because they won't talk about that. But maybe they'll talk about even when we didn't get it right, we got back up. They'll talk about how we loved and forgave and showed mercy and led by example and were people of character and loyalty that we did the best we could. We weren't ashamed of our faith. That when we drifted, we, we turned around and altered course. That we organized our life in the direction of where God wanted us to be. A few things to think about. 
as we get ready to end this series. Change forms with awareness. Really, the invisible genesis of change is awareness. Awareness of who I want to be, who God wants me to be, and who I am. And, and then, once I know who I am and really who I am and who I want to be and the distance that's between those two points, change actually begins on a practical level with a decision. That things are going to be different. That things need to be different. That things could be different and should be different. It begins with the decision to do more, to do less, to start some things and stop some things. Change begins with the decision and it's your decision, it's my decision. And then change builds momentum with small adjustments. And the more we have those small adjustments in consistency over time, big dividends come our way. Change builds momentum with just small adjustments. You make one small change, and then you keep that one small change over time, and all of a sudden there's momentum with it. All of a sudden now it's a little bit easier to stay the course because you're trusting the process, and you know that this small change, it's gonna have big consequences. So it builds momentum. When we make those small changes, and we keep to it, and we push through the pain and the discomfort and the inconvenience of it. Here's something else to think of, change it becomes evident when we adopt new routines. When those decisions and those adjustments actually become habits and actually becomes routine in our lives, that's when people really begin to see the change. That's when you begin to see the change. It's because now those adjustments have become habits and those decisions have become routine. And now all of a sudden, change is becoming evident. Change is fleshing itself out. Change is becoming noticeable. Let me give you one more. Change happens when we continue to make one step at a time over time in the direction of who we want to be. So what do you say? Let's make this trip around the sun better than the last trip around the sun. Let's make this trip around the sun the best yet. Let's get better. Let's get better as fathers, let's get better as men, let's get better as mothers and wives and women and young men and young women and as students. Let's get better, let's get better at loving our neighbor, let's get better at letting some things go. Let's get better physically, emotionally, spiritually. Let's grow in our faith, grow in our relationship to God. And let's start doing those things that we know we need to do today that's ultimately gonna help us to get to where we wanna be tomorrow. Heavenly Father, speak words into our heart. Help us, God, to do our part as it relates to change. You've given us everything we need. Now, Father, I pray we do something with it. We do something about it. And our best trip around the sun, it begins today. It's not gonna happen overnight, but it's gonna happen over time when we make one single step, one after the other, in the direction of who we want to be, in the direction of who you want us to be. So God, help us to do what we already know we need to start doing. Give us the fortitude to stay the course. Put people in our lives to encourage us on the journey. In Jesus' name, amen.